check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Boom, and we're live, everybody. Welcome to the show. This show is called the New Abnormal Podcast, though I might have to change that name because I was told that there's a show out there on Spotify right now that has the same exact name. I haven't personally checked it out, but I just don't want to be confused as somebody else. Today, we're going to tackle a topic about habits. Now, habits are very important, and people overlook them mostly because we don't think about them that much, or people have a certain amount of knowledge about them, but they don't really know exactly what habits are. Recently, I have been helplessly addicted to my smartphone, and just this week, I hit a record-breaking eight hours on average. That is an obscene amount of time to spend on a screen. And on this podcast, on my expense, I want to share my experience with this thing. And I want to share some knowledge that I had previously from two books that I recommend you read. Or if you don't read it, do what I do. Just download the audiobook and listen to it. They're very useful books, especially nowadays where people are forming new habits every day because of the new, the change, the new abnormal that's been, people keep calling it the new normal. I don't think it's normal. So I'm going to refer to it as the new abnormal. Okay. So I don't know how I was able to rack up those numbers, eight hours a day. That's basically like a full shift. People work eight hours a day. I just spent that amount of time on my phone. What was I doing? It's crazy if you think about it. And uh, it's very alarming because I could feel changes in my brain. How I interface with the world has been very weird lately because of the amount of time, the inordinate amount of time that I spend on my smartphone. I'm not addicted to social media. My addiction is more on YouTube. I spend a lot of time, obviously, with those numbers I just shared on YouTube. And in my defense, I've been recently put into quarantine. So I think that just ramped up my smartphone usage because I am sheltering in place. And there isn't much work to do in between my days. And I'm a very efficient worker as well, not just at work, but when I'm trying to do something at home, I try to do it and I'm done quickly. And I have that buffer again, that that spare time in between again. So I'm always on the phone. Eight hours is an obscene amount of time spent on a smartphone. It's crazy. And I can feel like changes in my focus now. I can't really focus on one thing anymore. It's like I need to be doing three different things at the same time, which is very annoying. It took me a day or I think two days to procrastinate making this episode today because I was just so hopelessly hooked on the next video that's coming up on my feed or waiting for somebody who's going to send me an important text or email or a phone call. That's why I always feel the need to have my smartphone an arm's reach away. So I really, really would like to change this. And I remember reading these two books, sorry, listening to these two books and I was thinking like, hmm, I'm, I won't be able to listen to him all over again, but I think I could share some knowledge that I gained from these books in the hopes of reinforcing my own. So the title of the two books that I wanted to share today is The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg and Atomic Habits by James Clear. Now, I suggest you read or listen to the power of habit first and then atomic habits because atomic habits 
references some parts of its uh, of its chapters to The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. The, the content of these books are very similar, but the approach is different. The Power of Habit is a bit more formal. Atomic Habits is a bit more... I wouldn't say informal, but it's it's way easier to to grasp, and the, you you get two different you, you get different benefits from reading these two books here. So let me just open my script here real quick, just so I get all the facts right. Okay, so starting off with the Power of Habit, this is a book by Charles Duhigg. Do check him out. D U H I W G. The Power of Habit focuses on stories related to how habits are formed and there are some some key bits of information that I would like to share for you today. All right, so a habit is basically a behavior that's put in place for us to survive better. So these things were actually features in evolution to help us focus on things that are important. And for the things that aren't that important related to our survival, we're basically on autopilot. Essentially, that is what a habit is. A good example of a habit that you might not think of as a habit is which shoelace do you tie first? Uh, which shoe do you tie first? Is it the right or the left? Some people don't even think about it. Well, that's if that's, that is the point. You don't have to think about it. Your body, your brain already does that for you. So instead of deciding and debating which do I tie first, the left or the right, it's just an automatic thing. So you can focus on the road. Or crossing the road, for example, or you know, focus on holding your kid, or just those things that relate to our survival. Now, these habits, at the end of the day, make us as humans, as people, as persons. The you are basically just a bundle of all these habits, and that's if you give it a thought, that basically means that your habits or the quality of life that you have is directly proportional to your habits. So if you have more good habits than bad habits, then you might be leading a better life. Uh, consequently, if you have more bad habits than good habits, then you might not be leaving, leading a, a good life. But let me just pull up the habit loop here because I don't want to just guess. So if I do a quick search of what a habit loop is, a habit loop is basically how a habit is formed. So here, I pulled it up here. There's only three steps to how a habit is formed, okay? There is the cue. And then the routine, and then the reward. Just those three. The cue is something that sets it off, the trigger. So if, let's say, focusing on the smartphone here, I have this habit of pulling out my smartphone every time I'm walking, which is very dangerous. I live in a gated community. It's not that dangerous, but imagine if I did that and I still catch myself doing it outside walking in the city. The routine is the actual act of looking at the screen and aimlessly scrolling through your favorite three apps, whatever they are. And then the reward is that feeling that, okay, whatever that is, that, that satisfaction that you feel when you do something. You know, people who smoke have that very, very... Uh, similar feeling after they have a smoke. So those three things, the cue, the routine, and then the reward. So that is the feedback loop that creates habits. Now the book of Charles Duhigg, The Power of Habit, 
mentions this thing called a keystone habit. Now, a keystone habit is important to know if you want to change a certain habit because before the cue, which is the first step in the habit loop, there is the keystone habit. And the keystone habit is what actually sets off that cycle. Now, going back on my example on your habit of always looking at your phone when you're walking down a road, the keystone habit for me that I've identified is me just grabbing it from my pocket and then looking at the screen. Now, that little habit before the actual act of looking at the screen, just me going into my pocket, that is the keystone habit. And it's important to know this because if I wanted to change this and if you wanted to change something, then this is the best part of that loop that you interrupt. So my solution to that would be just not having my phone in my pocket in the first place. If I didn't have that in my pocket, there would be nothing to pick up. And if I had nothing to pick up, there would be nothing to look at. It's just as simple as that. So that is a keystone habit. It could be different from other, for other people. Let's say have snacking, for example. Snacking. So the cue might be, uh, the cue might be, let's say, just feeling a bit hungry after watching a show late at night and you just want it to you just want to feel a bit more satisfied before you go to bed and the routine would be to go down to the refrigerator and uh, just graze like a bear and the reward would be that feeling that satisfaction of feeling a bit more full before you go to bed now the keystone habit there isn't actually getting up and opening the rating the fridge the keystone habit there I would think is actually that show or watching Maybe if you hadn't watched any shows and you just read a book, for example, instead of watching a show, instead of doing that, then you won't have that, your brain won't have that feeling, this hunger after, after watching a show. So that could be the, the keystone habit there is not the actual eating or not the actual uh, craving, but it's that thing you do before it, which is watching this show. So that is a keystone habit. It's important to identify it if you wanted to modify this habit or you wanted to change it entirely. To, in, entirely. Now, in this book, he shares different stories, and I'm going to share one right now, which is a story of Pepsodent and a man called Claude Hopkins. Now, he's a marketing executive for this company, Pepsodent, and what they were trying to do was try to get more people to buy their product. Essentially, that is what marketing is, is to get more people to buy our stuff. Now, their initial strategy was to tell people that there is a film, a, a, a coating of some sort that coats your teeth, and this contributes to poor oral health. And so, if you use Pepsodent, then our toothpaste can rub it out, basically, and you'll have a more healthier mouth. And the strategy failed because it was too dry. It was just too dry for the public. They didn't buy it. People didn't care if they had film coating their teeth and they just didn't mind for oral health. So what they did, what Pepsodent did, was they added a, an ingredient. Okay, they added an ingredient to their toothpaste and that ingredient was peppermint. Now tell me if I'm wrong here. Every time you eat something that's, that has a bit of mint in it, don't you just feel like you just have a fresher breath? Don't you just feel like your mouth is just that much cleaner? Now, Pepsodent caught on to this fact, and that is the reason why toothpaste tastes good now. 
right? There's no cleaning benefit to the actual peppermint. But people feel better when there's a bunch of suds around their mouth, like that foam. So the people who use Pepsodent now start expecting that foam. Every time they use this, this toothpaste and that taste, that peppermint freshness that you feel after using the product. And they change their strategy from having a healthier mouth to having a prettier smile. So it's vanity over utility. So instead of saying you're going to have a healthier mouth, they, they just push it as you're going to have a prettier smile. And that only happens after the body, okay, the, after the body detects that peppermint, that minty, foamy feeling after you brush your teeth. And then a habit is formed again. So brushing your teeth now becomes a habit because you're looking for that sensation in your mouth that you only get when you brush your teeth. And that's one reason why toothpaste tastes the way toothpaste tastes like. The peppermint doesn't have to do it doesn't have anything to do with the cleaning. It's just there to form that loop. Okay? I found it very interesting. I'm sorry if I didn't do a good job telling that story. I'm just looking at bullet points here in front of me. So uh, do, do check out the book, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. So keystone habits are very important. Target those if you want to change a certain particular habit. But you're, you're going to have to do your homework, though. And really, really pay attention to what you're doing and how you're doing it and why you're doing it. And pinpoint which exactly is the keystone habit here. And then interrupt it from there. Now, uh, moving on here. The second book that builds off the first one is Atomic Habits by James Clear. I'm pretty sure this book came after the first one. Pretty sure about that. And what I wanted to share about this book is the four laws to habit change. It's a beautiful, well-summarized well-written uh, step-by-step approach into changing your habits, okay? Now, James Clear believes if you want to change a habit, it's better to actually make a new habit because changing a habit is just twice as hard as creating, as, to, as opposed to creating a new one or just putting it in front of that habit that you're trying to interrupt. Let's say, for example, drinking is a good example, People who drink a certain amount of alcohol every night, that's their habit. It's just for them to, to feel relaxed, maybe, just to cap the day off after a long day's work. Now, James Clear suggests that maybe if you wanted to change, although I do suggest you change it entirely, but for people who aren't able to, for people who are really working a high-stress life, and they believe that having a, a beer or two or a, or a reasonable amount of alcohol regularly helps them function better okay well and good but maybe it's better if you put something before that so let's say you do a workout first before that and you earn yourself a pint some people actually do that i'm guilty i do that sometimes like i only have i make sure i have beer after jujitsu class which i don't train that often anymore but every time i went into jujitsu class i made sure okay after this I'm going to definitely earn myself a beer or two because it's hard training. I'm aching all over. It's, it's Sometimes it's hard to sleep even because you're so beat up. So I'll have, I'll have a beer, maybe two beers. Uh, so here, I'm going to outline the four laws to habit change by James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits. And these steps will help you 
create new habits or help you modify have your habits you already have or change them, okay? According to James Clear, if you want habit change, the first thing you should do is you should make it obvious. Second is you make it attractive. Third is you make it easy. Fourth is you make it satisfying. So those are the four steps. Again, it's make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. So let me just pull up my other bullet point list here just so I could give you a bit more of a details into how you should go about implementing these four steps from this book. Okay, so go into the first step, which is make it obvious. Now, if you want habit change to happen, you should make it obvious. And one thing he points out in this particular step is if you want a certain habit to change, you need to make it accessible to you. Basically, you're just going to put less and less steps in between you and that thing that you have to do, right? For example here, if you want to eat healthier, if that's a habit that everybody out there should, I think, should start doing, nobody's telling us how to be healthy with this whole virus and all, all this thing. Everybody's talking about vaccines and lockdowns and this and that. Nobody's teaching us how to be healthier and take care of ourselves. So if you're out there and you're trying to eat better, the first thing you should do is to make it obvious for you. So if you're buying groceries, for example, if you're buying tons of broccoli and chicken breast to start off your diet, make sure you cut up those broccoli already. Make sure it's washed and put them in a container and make it accessible to you. Just keep it in your fridge. Same for the chicken breast. Cut them up, slice them into bits and chunks that you are comfortable ingesting. And then now it's obvious. Make it accessible to you. The second is make it attractive. So if you want certain habits to change or if you want to create a new habit, then make sure you make that habit attractive. So let's just focus on eating better again. Now, some people out there do it differently. Some people just go full Spartan and just boil a bunch of broccoli and then steam a lot of chicken breast. And that's what you eat for the whole week. Now, I've tried that. I've tried it basically. Two weeks is too long to do. And to just adhere to that very strict, stringent, restrictive diet. Really, really hard. Okay. So how do you make it attractive? Why don't, let's say, why don't you dress it up a bit? Dress it up a bit. Make sure, though, that you you have, you, you take into account whatever sauces that you put in if you're trying to lose a ton of weight quickly. Okay. But just don't do the steam chicken, steamed broccoli, if you want it to be sustainable, it's going to have to, you're going to have to actually like what you're eating. You know, it's hard enough eating these two items, even if it's seasoned, or even if you add a bit of color to it, it's still hard, but it will help though, if you make it attractive. Now, let's say chicken breast, for example, for me, I don't like the actual chicken breast fillets. I find it too hard to, to chew after a certain amount of days you're doing it. I do burgers. I do burgers. I even put in like bread uh, breadcrumbs just as a filler. Season it, obviously. Maybe throw an egg in so you ha- you're actually left with a proper patty. A, it's delicious. B, it looks good. And at the end of the day, it's more attractive to ingest over this steaming, uh, this steaming pile of meat. 
that you're supposed to to eat and you're supposed to like so make it attractive make a dish out of it be more creative in your approach there's tons of tons of ways how to do chicken breasts out there really there's a lot my thing is chicken burgers because i could eat that all week that's one thing i could actually eat all week and not be bothered about it plus i'm not really planning to lose that much weight because i believe i believe in maintaining the weight over losing it quickly because the loser that I mean sorry the quicker you lose weight the quicker it comes back so it's better if you actually lose it over time so then you know your body's properly adjusted to it so you don't pile it back in because your hormones also help you do that you go into the starvation mode and your 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 hunger hormones just come back with a revenge and then that's when you start piling all that weight back in again as opposed to losing it slowly okay next uh, number 3 here after make it attractive is make it easy make it easy is very self-explanatory let me see if i have another bullet point to share with make it easy okay he sa- it says here pr- procrastination is one thing that everybody grapples with every day so making it easy will basically allow you to not procrastinate because it's just easy for you it's a no-brainer you can do it just do it so going back to this uh um example that we have make it easy well let's say for my chicken burgers what i do is i i i make sure it's ready so the chicken breast is ground up throw in whatever i need to throw in breadcrumbs salt pepper and an egg and then i put it in a neat tupperware and all i have to do every time i need to eat it is just take it out of the fridge scoop take one or two scoops depending on how hungry i am and just fry it quickly quickly as opposed to like doing it in batches and some people do it some people want to eat fresh so they 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 freeze it up again and then they have to thaw it again and then they have to fry it and then they eat there's just way too many steps in between that thing you want and your brain recognizes this so it just tries to cut around it and that's what a habit is and if it's too hard altogether your brain is just going to refuse to do it Okay, that's how you feel like I'm not going to do it. That's procrastination happening in the moment. And the last one is make it satisfying. Make it satisfying basically mean this completes the loop. This is the reward. For me, the whole drinking beer was my reward to jiu-jitsu. So I was actually I'm not trying to form a habit of drinking beer. I was trying to form a habit of going to train jiu-jitsu, which is a hard enough task to do. It's enjoyable but still it's very it's very hard you're you're wrestling with people stronger than you. You know, it hurts. Yeah, it's fun but it's very challenging still. So to make it satisfying, I make sure at the end that there is a reward waiting for me. So my brain recognizes that and I'm able to plow through the workout, okay? Because I know I'm getting something at the end. And then the whole the benefits of the whole training just happens naturally. You're just going to feel better you're going to be healthier this this is applicable to any exercise you do or to anything that you're trying to, to achieve if you're trying to read 52 books in a year which is a book a year uh, a book a week well if that if that's a habit that you're trying to form then wow more power to you maybe you could you could uh you could share your tips on how to read 52 books in a year it'd be amazing to do your tra- your life will change basically if you read that much information and you take in that that much uh 
stuff in your head, depending on, obviously, depending again on what kind of books you're reading. I can only imagine it could be good for you. The beauty about this approach by James Clear is you can reverse engineer these steps to changing a bad habit. Now, make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, make it satisfying. These are good steps to create good habits. If you want to change a bad habit, you could use these laws and turn them on their heads. Make it obvious makes, basically means make it not obvious. Make it attractive means don't make it attractive. Make it easy, make it hard, make it satisfying, make it unsatisfying. So make it obvious, let's say, try to think of a good example here to make it not obvious and still trying to remain true to those to those examples that we put forth already. Uh, let's let's pick a bad habit first. For example, uh, let's pick a bad habit of okay of um, having a very poor diet, eating like shit, basically. Instead of uh, making it obvious, you could help yourself by making it not obvious. So let's say, if your thing is snacking on sweets all day, all night, maybe don't keep those sweets in your fridge, or maybe don't don't buy them. Don't buy them. Just don't keep it in your house. So it's not obvious. Like you just, it's not accessible to you. You just can't get to it. Make it attract, make it unattractive. A good thing would be, oh, I'm really struggling to connect to make it unattractive. Okay. Make it unattractive means like, okay, if you do want a snack, then you're going to have to like get in your car, strap in your seatbelt, drive two, four kilometers, wherever you need to go to pick up your snacks Go home to your back to your couch, open the snacks, and then ingest them. It's unattractive that way because it's not accessible. It's 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 you know it's not easy. Which is the next step to make it easy. Don't make it easy for yourself to do. Make it so it's hard to reach. Make it so there's a lot of steps in between for you to actually satisfy yourself. Which is number four. Make it unsatisfying. Okay, make it unsatisfying. I think I remember a. Uh, an example in this book is uh, before and after photos for, for people who are trying to lose weight. That could be good. Or having an accountability partner. I'm not a big fan of that, but some people believe if you have a friend and you can you can, you can have like a friendly competition or uh, like people who are trying to kick the, the habit of drinking too much alcohol. Alcoholics, they have a sponsor. They have, a, they have someone they, need to, they could call at any given time if they feel like having a drink. So that's it. So I'm going to try my best to remind myself of these PowerPoints that I've picked up from these two books. And uh, if you're struggling with the same addiction as I am, which is just being on your smartphone every single day, then, you know, maybe you could, uh, we, could, we could talk about these things in depth. I just think that it's a premeditated thing, this thing about smartphones. There are huge corporations, the biggest techs, the, the biggest tech companies out there. They're creating these things that are just making it harder and harder and harder for us to, to combat. They're using the same laws to their benefit and to our detriment. So making it obvious, for example, like the phone, yeah, it's beside you every single day. It's in your pocket. Make it attractive. Like there's always one every year. They release new phones every year, and the marketing is just spot on. Make it easy. Internet access hasn't has never been this easy, and so fast, it's so quick. Didn't it wasn't like bef before? I was lucky enough 
to live in an era where the internet was just starting. Like I still remember living in a time where there was no internet. So it's not that alien to me, that concept as compared to some kids who just would never be able to comprehend what life was like without the internet. It's crazy. Uh, it's very satisfying. You know, now we got the, the whole posting and having these people like your pictures and comment and reach out to you and ask you all about it. And it's just, come on. Coupled with the AI capability at the moment, at this day and age, it's just, we're almost, we're too helpless to solve this thing. At the end of the day, I, th I believe it's a tool and we should treat it as such. What are your thoughts? Tell me what you think. Reach out, uh, drop me a voice message or something. Tell me how your habits affect you and um, how do you believe habits are put, placed in there uh, as features as opposed to bugs? You know, uh, what I meant with that is, for example, if you're having a, if you have a gut, it's not actually a bug. It's not, um, it's not. It's not your, it's your body telling you what, how you're living your life and it's just giving you what you need. So if you don't want that fluff under your belly, then just make it so that your body thinks like every day is a struggle to survive. And then instead of that gut that allows you to hibernate, because that's what bears do is they eat a ton of shit and then they hibernate. And for them to be able to go to get through that, because when you're hibernating, you're not doing anything. When you're not doing anything, you're not getting food. So now you're not getting food for yourself. You're basically just stationary. And for you to be able to do that, you need a certain amount of fat. So you're not starving to death. You don't need muscle because you're not moving around, but you do need fat. So you can just you can afford to not do anything. It's it's not a bug. It's a feature of the body. All you have to do is modify that behavior. And instead of having a fluff layer in your belly. If you if you exercise and you do hard stuff, then you'll have muscles. Then you'll be leaner. Your bones get stronger because your body thinks, okay, this is what he needs right now. He's trying to get. He, he's struggling to survive. We could we could help him out if we do this. Do that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that was a good half hour. I hope I was able to impart as much knowledge as I could in this podcast. We might have to change the name, by the way, of this podcast. And you guys keep crushing it out there. And as always, y'all be safe. I'll see you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.